Hi everyone, we are on season eight, episode 10, and today I have Matt Ram back with me. How are you doing, Matt? Very well, thank you very much indeed. And uh, I will always comment on the weather, as you know. Man. <laughs> it's uh, cold and wet, but um, yeah. yes, uh, life is good. Thank you very much indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I was, I was just thinking then about saying cold and wet. I was thinking cold as well. And then I've just gone back to my mind of thinking my sister's been over with her family from Italy. Um, so obviously for, for us, our level of cold is one thing, but for for, for them being here over Christmas, it was um, a completely different level of cold for them, which was um, yeah. which was entertaining to see in some ways. But uh, I think there's lots of huddling around the, the fire. Um, At least your sister knows what it's like to be cold, let's be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, she's, she has that experience, bless her. Um, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about heart valve disease and what it can be when and what it can mean when you're applying for um, protection insurance. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So as always, when we're going to be going down a little bit of a deep dive into a medical condition or situation, I will give a little bit of a background and then we'll really get into the specifics with Matt, who will go into it in far more detail than I can. So with heart valve disease, it's basically where one or more of the valves in the heart aren't working as we would expect them to. It's usually around things like um, they maybe don't open or close exactly as we would want them to be doing, which can lead to some health complications. And it can be caused by genetics. There can be injury to the heart, um, you know, whether or not that's like a, a physical injury, like a blow to the body or potentially an infection that's causing it. And, and it can also be something that is just for some people part and parcel of getting older. So Matt, can you start off please by explaining what classifies as heart valve disease? Because I'm sure there's probably many, many different names and versions of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd leap immediately forward to um, confirm what you've just said, because if you look at the ratings that the insurers, the insurance manuals apply to these various uh, heart valve issues, then um, they are pretty complicated to say the least particularly for life insurance not so much for um, income protection and critical illness because cover quite often can't be can't be given um but it is certainly quite complicated so what i what i thought i would do very 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 quickly is to um return uh to uh is there such thing as an O level anymore? I don't think there is. Oh, I've. Do you know what? We've actually reached. I was going to say we've actually reached a level. I mean, I say I'm 38, and I don't have any clue what's going on with any of them anymore. Because now, obviously, like GCSEs, <laughs> GCSEs are completely different now, aren't they? They're not like A's to E's. They're numbers, and that just completely throws me, and it makes me feel incredibly old. Obviously, if anybody does apply for a job. And it says numbers, and I'm like, I'm going to have to go search this. I'm so old. So let's assume that yes, there is sort of like the uh, the A levels are still <laughs> A levels are still going, and O levels and everything. But sorry, but... sorry to all those people who are under thirty eight. So you want to know if there's no level, and immediately have to go and Google it. Let me put it that way. <laughs> but either which way, um, thought I'd to explain the heart valves and just to ensure that um, uh, I'm on the right path with everybody in terms of their understanding uh, I thought I'd just whip back to uh, the heart itself and just very very quickly run through the, uh, the the structure and if I'm teaching anybody stuff that they already know I do apologize but I thought it would be useful for today. So, I think it'd be really good thank you Matt. Uh, no problems so you've got the normal heart structure consists of four chambers 
and basically it is a it is a hollow organ no two ways about it yeah and it's divided into the left and right sides by a muscular wall called the septum now the right and left sides of the heart are further divided into two top chambers called atria i must admit i always call them uh, the right and left atrium which receive blood and then pump it into the bottom two bottom chambers called the ventricles and i think people who uh, who uh, look at ischemic heart disease will uh, recall the term ventricle particularly the left ventricle which is a big pumping chamber yeah. of the heart uh, and these uh, pump blood to the lungs uh, and around the body now what I wanted just to make sure that people were on board with that the coronary coronary arteries and coronary artery disease are not part of the internal structure of the heart these are the great vessels that lie in terms of the muscle of the heart and keep the heart healthy uh, and uh, able to to uh, perform its function okay and coronary artery disease it's it's a different it's certainly heart related very much so can't deny that but it's, it's a different medical topic um We've got the right coronary artery, which everybody, I'm sure a lot of people would have heard of, and then the left main coronary artery. Okay, yeah. so basically, um, the normal heart anatomy and physiology need the atria, so those are the top chambers, and the ventricles, the bottom chambers, to work at the same time, sequentially, contracting and relaxing to pump the blood out of the heart and then to the uh, and then let the chambers refill with blood. When the blood leaves each chamber of the heart, it passes through a valve. And this is what we're talking about today specifically, that is designed to prevent the backflow of blood. Okay, so yeah. effectively, it allows the blood to, to flow through the heart in the right direction. It, they should not, a healthy the healthy valves do not allow the blood to go from the ventricle and flow back into the atrium. Yeah. Okay. And that's important from a physical perspective, important just to, just to understand, because then once you can understand that, um, then you can see what heart valve disease is all about. OK. Yeah. So you've got four heart valves, uh, the mitral valve, which is uh, one of the ones that certainly I see from an underwriting perspective the most. And it's between the left atrium, so the upper chamber, and the left ventricle. Again, when you, when you hear, they're all important, these valves yeah. and, and the chambers. However, if you go left ventricle, again, major pumping um, uh, chamber of the heart, very important. And the uh, tricuspid valve is between the right atrium and the right ventricle. So it's on the other side of the heart, connecting the upper and uh lower chambers the aortic valve which is another one um that uh, certainly i see as an underwriter is between the left ventricle and the aorta so effectively on the left side of the heart so this is the side of the heart that pumps blood around the body you've got the mitral valve that allows blood to flow from the upper chamber into the lower chamber and then you've got the aortic valve which flows out of the left ventricle into the aorta, and that is the major artery of the human body. Okay. okay. So that takes blood away from the heart 
and all around the body to allow it to act healthily. The fourth one um, is the pulmonary valve, which is between the right ventricle and the pulmonary artery. Okay, and that's the one that feeds back um, lung, uh, to the respiratory system, lungs. Yeah. Today, I'm just going to talk about, because we could go on forever, um, which is usual for me, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's uh, just focus on the mitral valve and the aortic valve. So this is the, on the left side of the heart, right upper, uh, sorry, the left side of the heart, the uh, upper chamber, the lower chamber, and then pumping through into the great artery, the, the, uh, the aorta. Yeah. Now, as I hope, I hope people will follow me okay with that one. Uh, uh, Catherine, are you okay at the moment? Where I'm absolutely I? fine with that. Thank Brilliant. you. Okay. Um, so effectively, the heart valves work in the same way as uh, one-way valves work in your home. So they prevent fl the blood flowing from the, uh, in the in the wrong direction, as I've already said. Uh, each valve has a set of flaps called leaflets or cusps and this allows the uh, blood let's let's go back to the um, left side of the heart it allows the blood to flow through okay and then when that chamber the, the lower chamber is filled up they close yeah so the blood can't flow back the blood can flow through and it pushes the the, the pressure of the blood flowing through pushes those little leaflets open but when that uh, the, the chamber is full the lower chamber is full, it starts to close those little cusps so it can't go back. Um, the mitral valve has two leaflets, as they're called, um, and all the others have three. That's just a little bit of a trick pub quiz question, that one. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, I said physiologically, why the others have three and the mitral valve has two. However, that's the mm -hmm. way the world um i think i will probably finish there in terms of the uh the the, the not the lecture but me just talking about the anatomy of the heart um types of disease that you see are uh stenosis heart valve stenosis and heart valve the regurgita regurgitation as it's called or incompetence yeah. and effectively um i think we're all uh all regular listeners to these podcasts medical podcasts um will come across the term stenosis and effectively that is the narrowing of the of the uh the heart valve so the blood can't get through as quickly and efficiently as we would want and that's and to, i'm assuming that's like cholesterol and in things like that causing that or is it something else um no it's it's generally uh can, can be a, a raft of things i think you kind of um came um that you mentioned right at the very very beginning it's there's there's a, con, uh, a congenital aspect to it right, yeah. there is um there is an ischemic um so in other words the the um the leaflets um become uh, hardened if you like yeah. um through through lack of uh, blood themselves um and it's certainly in the old days when I, when I was much younger than I am today much less than much less older than 38 I would have to say uh, I used to see quite a few um mitral valve disease cases because um of rheumatic fever 
rheumatic fever was very, very well known in the olden days um, to cause mitral valve disease. Yeah. Um, these days, with the, uh, you know, very rarely see uh, instances or hear about instances of rheumatic fever, then the um, occurrence of uh, valvular disease caused by uh, infection, if I can call it that, um, is uh, a, a far less. So that's, that, that is a good thing. But uh, they, they become, it can become just a nose, the, the, the leaflets, the cusps themselves become hardened and they don't, they're not as uh, uh, elastic, I suppose, um, as uh, it, it's actually required. So this is where, of course, as I say, stenosis is where the blood can't flow through as easily as it should through those, all of the heart valves, but the two we're particularly talking today about, which is the mitral valve and the aortic valve. Okay, yeah. they can't push through and get around. Um, in terms of uh, regurgitation, it's an interesting term. That makes me think of, um, yeah, well, we won't go into what I'm thinking there. Um, but incompetence, regurgitation or incompetence um, is where the, the those leaflets don't close as they should. And they it means that the blood leaks back okay. into the other chamber. And it is... When the blood can't get through properly, um, it can cause obvious issues from pumping blood around the uh, uh, heart. And where it leaks back into the previous chamber, then obviously that that um, impacts the flow of blood from the heart around the body. And the the absolute worst case scenario in people that I say see it a lot in the olden day, older days. I say rather than old then makes me feel really old. <laughs> um, where where the surgical treatment um, of uh, heart valve disease uh, wasn't where it is today by a long stretch. People really just died of heart failure at the end of the day, but because the right. blood couldn't be pushed through, um, effectively their heart just was starved. Sorry, not the heart. The the body was starved of blood, and the heart just packed in at the end of the day yeah. we're now much better better place and heart valve disease can be treated um surgically um you can have um minimally invasive treatment to the prolapses those those sorry not prolapses the um little cusps uh yeah. that uh, allow the blood to flow through and not to flow the other way um those, those can be sorted out and uh, you can also have uh, your heart valve replaced as well. It's fascinating um, what they can do. In fact, it's really interesting. Well, it's it's fantastic. To be perfectly honestly, I, I, it's one of the reasons why I'm still doing this job after forty odd years. I'm telling you, it's absolutely fantastic. And um, I mean, heart valve surgery has been around for a while. That's, I'll be honest with you. Particularly the, um, the 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 heart valve replacements, and these can be done by either um, uh, a biological means, and certainly in my day was who was to talk about porcine replacements. So they used okay. pig valves. Yes. To, yeah. Uh, I was to, I was thinking pig valves when you said about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or um more they had the mechanical um replacements as well, which were uh I can't remember quite what they're called, but it was basically a little cage where um uh, a little ball was in it and it, that, that that the ball moved in and out to um, allow the blood to flow through okay. Yeah. The thing, the, the the challenge that people had with mechanical valves were that they, they it kind of ground up the blood, if I can use that very untechnical term, which yeah. could cause blood clots, 
would then zoom around the body and cause problems. The worst case scenario, obviously, being um, all of this blood, we're talking, go, goes back to either the brain through the carotid artery or to the heart muscle itself yeah. uh, through the arteries we just mentioned earlier um, and, and, and cause either a heart attack or a stroke. So yes. you often find people on with those types of heart valve disease on blood thinners, okay? To yeah, that uh, would make sense. Yeah, to uh, yeah, help uh, the or reduce the risk of clots. If you put it that way. Yeah. Um. So that's where we are in terms of the uh, kind of anatomy. I hope that makes sense. It does there absolutely. Four, there are four valves. I've only talked to uh, talked about two of them yeah. um, in particular, um, but there are four, and you can get disease of all of them. Not you can get disease. Certainly, I've, I've seen cases of aortic valve disease and mitral valve disease um, in the same person. Yeah, I'm not necessarily. I can't honestly remember seeing um, disease of the right side of the heart in both of the valves, um, but you can also. I have to say, extend this debate, this this chat, um, into incidental heart murmurs, and right. uh, heart murmurs are often the first thing that a doctor will notice if there is a heart valve problem. Right. Okay, and it is always a challenge for the clinicians. Although, of course, with the clinician, sorry, the doctors, in other words, um, can all types of tests, particularly MRI scans, etc., to um, to look at those heart valves. But in terms of um, uh, underwriters, we often see issue, issue, you know, a comment, one-off comment saying, "Oh, heart murmur," and you know, an underwriter will say, "Okay, this. What happened next?" <laughs> yeah. What did the GP do about it? Because um, often found in GP, you know, blood pressure checks when they when people stick the stethoscopes on the heart. Let me put it that way. Um, and of course, heart murmurs are not just down to um, necessarily valve disease. They come down to a lot of things. And often heart murmurs are completely innocent. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I've definitely heard of like the innocent heart murmurs as yeah. well. But it's, it's just something that I think you, underwriters, you do like to see what's gone on in a sense well, and what's been checked. To, you, you have to really, because otherwise you can't make a judgment. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly um, I've seen historically heart murmurs uninvestigated but could attract a rating. Yeah. Which always sounds very, very hard on, on the client personally, the life must be assured. But, you know, if, if that, that information is there, then you're going to have to assume that it could be a raft of things, and if 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 you if you took a, a, a hundred lives with a heart murmur, it's not been followed up. You are going to get some in there that that should be followed up and treated. Yes, um, but a lot that is completely normal um, for them. Um, so yeah, information, the information and follow up is is will often be required, if nothing else, to be fair to the client, fair to the life assured. Um, and you know as well as I do, sometimes heart murmurs are commented on, and and unfortunately are missed in follow up. Yeah. But let's let's not go there on that one today. I don't think. Um, so I mean, when it comes to like the heart valve disease, yeah. Um, 
as a an advisor, so like somebody's telling me about their health, or I've maybe yeah. even got like a copy of some medical records or something. What are the words that would, in a sense, stand out to say that are commonly on those records to sort of say like this person has heart valve disease? So I know you've mentioned the mitral valve, you know, so it's some things like mitral valve regurgitation and stuff like that. Is there anything like really specific, you know, terminology that we should be looking out for? Well, certainly the 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 valve itself. Okay, the name of the valve itself, um, and the the treatment that was recommended um, by the the medical profession. Um, that could be the fact that the um, the heart valve is 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 I think in 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 underwriting terminology or at least in terms of the underwriting manual terminology, um, is split into slight, mild, moderate, and severe. Yeah, um, but. Whether a uh, a client will um, be aware of those classifications, then some will, but the majority, I would suggest, will not be. So it's it's important that you know what the name of the the name of the valve that's impacted, and what the doctors said or recommended to that life to the life assured about what to do next it could well be that it is it is in the slight category and nothing is nothing ultimately is required you know dental prophylaxis and so so on and so forth might be um recommended but nothing more is required apart from follow-up and therefore you could see it um follow up in 12 months maybe maybe a bit longer depending the doctors normally would want to at least start off with 12 monthly checks just to see any progress because that's important um right. the progress of the disease is it is it kind of um is it a congenital uh valvular defect that really certainly doesn't impact the the flow of the 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 uh the blood around the heart um and it's not progressing or is it something that is actually progressing and getting worse which will lead need some intervention at some particular time in the future um so where was i we're talking about the names of the uh the the heart valve disease we're talking about what the medics say in terms of follow-up and treatment um uh if necessary um within that you'll you'll get um you should get whether surgery has been performed and if surgery has been performed it would be good to know the um what type of surgery has been performed so you'll you'll hear you may have heard something like a valvuloplasty yeah which effectively is something where it's, it's like a it's like a balloon angioplasty to one of the coronary arteries to be honest with you okay so in other words, it's that little balloon they'll blow up to try and smooth out the atheroma in the coronary arteries here it's a similar type of um uh, event if you want or, or procedure except they open up the little leaflets in the valve yeah. Um, and hopefully uh, that will sort things out at least for a good number of years. You know, if they if they're all kind of if they're tough and thickened and and stiff, um, pushing them out um, will will help with that blood flow for at least a while anyway. Yeah. Um, so so the client doesn't have to go through any uh, any any major any major surgery. So. Does that help at all? Follow, follow yeah. up is important. Follow up is important here. If if somebody had um, what can be termed as mild or moderate disease, particularly moderate, then you'd want to see a follow up. Absolutely. You'd want to see them under regular follow up, and if they're not, then there's something gone wrong. Or 
Conversely, it was never moderate disease in the first place. Yes, and it's maybe just an error on the report that needs error um, on the report sorting. or a misunderstanding from the client. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so does that help in terms of the things that you need? I don't. If, if you get into kind of um, uh, pressure gradients and things like that, which is pretty technical stuff, um, but is a certainly doctors will look at that to see the performance. It's a sounds a very technical uh, uh, expression, but. No, I think it's really, really helpful. Um, thank you, obviously. And I know it's sort of like, it's, it is, it's important. It's important um, because that tells you, that gives you an absolute reading on how those heart valves are working in terms of the blood flow. That, that's why it's important. But whether a client will know that or not is another point. Sorry, absolutely. Catherine. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the other thing to sort of like just sorry moving on to that because I know you said that there's some really technical stuff as well and you know it, it can be that you do need to really look at medical reports and because a lot of the time people you know they don't understand what those medical reports say um yeah. and it, you know it's confusing you know even for myself sometimes when I'll come across a new sort of like um reading of some sort and I think well what does that code mean or something I have to do, obviously do some research and and everything and, and I think a lot of the time it can be quite difficult as always is that difference between the medical professional and the insurance world because you will find and I've said this before like chronic kidney disease that oh, yeah. you know for people when they reach a certain age that they're in a sense they're automatically at times classed as having chronic kidney disease because their kidneys working at a certain marker which is is just completely normal as you get older that your kidney won't work at the same level as it did in your 20s but compared to like the insurance world, the insurers just, they see chronic kidney disease and are just like, ah, oh, chronic kidney disease kind of thing. And it can cause some concern. So I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that we need to know. There is a lot more technical stuff than what we'd be able to cover in this um, podcast, because there's just so much that can go on with the heart. But I think what'd be really useful is, is there anything that as an underwriter, if you saw it in a medical report next to something that, you know, there's been an indication heart valve disease, you're having a look through it, is there anything that would make you look at that and straight away think, I really need to see more about this? Or even instinctively be thinking, I'm not sure we'll be able to insure this person. I think um, in, in, generally in the, you nearly always need cardio, cardio reports, just like you would with a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, sorry, heart disease, not a heart attack necessarily, but heart disease. Um, because you will get indications or you should get indications from the doctors, the cardiologists looking after the the patient, the client, um, about the, the the extent of the valvular disease, okay? Also, the classification of it, is it mitral stenosis? As an example, is it mitral stenosis or mitral regurgitation? Is it aortic stenosis? Is it um, aortic regurgitation, stroke incompetence? Um, and they will, they will also um, give a view on the severity of the disease. Yeah. Okay, so I just whip back to my slight mild, moderate, and severe here. Um, in these these circumstances, of, sorry, the these kind of scenarios, the slight mild, moderate, severe are in uh, cases where they have not been operated on. By the way, I sorry, I should maybe that absolutely clear. Um, this is the kind of the 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 the, uh, the journey to potential surgery. Um, once a person's had surgery, then we we change we change the ballpark. Um, but with the ratings that appear here and the grading, slight mild, moderate, severe. Sorry, I've said that about six times in the last two minutes. <laughs> um, gives you an indication of 
the underwriter and more importantly the clinician of of where they are in their journey to potential surgery yeah okay if you're looking at severe then really they should be on the waiting list for surgery okay by, by definition because the heart is not the the the, the blood is not getting through uh, the, the pumping chambers of the heart in a good way. Um, mild, moderate, again, it is, they are really indications of, again, where they are in the journey. But uh, noting that the, 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 the um, categorizations of slight and mild, uh, they don't always say the same of course, and that's where your follow-ups come in. Slight can become mild, mild can become moderate, and moderate can become severe. Um, so in the pre-surgery category, then it's important to know where they are. And if you look at the um, the, the ratings that are applied, really, the um, as I say, they are pretty complicated, and they're also, uh, you've got those four categories, but it's you also got an age element coming into this. Yeah. Well, you've got um, certainly the, in my opinion, anyway, personal opinion out there, by the way, to any reassurers who are looking or sorry, listening, rather, <laughs> I should say, um, uh, the the major reinsurance manual that is out there certainly looks at people under the age of 25. Yeah. So they'll age categorise it. So under 25, 29, to 25 to 39, 40 um 50 to 65 and over 65 as an example and then anybody under the tw age of 25 for instance um uh, for uh, aortic and mitral valve disease disease um in fact one of them uh, for for aortic stenosis you're looking at slight disease so minimal disease under the age of 25 um is rated at 75 but if you go mild or moderate or higher and any and any of the mitral may have got the wrong way around i do apologize but it doesn't really make a lot of difference at the end of the day um and people under the age of 25 are actually declined for life insurance right okay because the, the if i can call it logic it's because the insurers their underwriters uh, want to see how that disease progresses yes okay and whether that slight moves to mild to moderate and how quickly it does that if indeed it ever does let's be honest about it um but your ratings tend to go down if if, if that if that category of slight mild moderate stays the same then the ratings will come down with age so if you have a, a <clears throat> moderate um mitral valve disease then for instance 25 to 39 um i did say moderate didn't i so under, yeah. under the age of 25 it's decline 25 to 39 is 200 and then it comes down right down to plus 50 over the age of 65 okay yeah so heart valve disease certainly um can be catered for within life insurance um, it very much depends on the category of slight, mild, moderate, et cetera, um, and the age of when of the client when they're applying for their life insurance as well. But certainly, um, as long as you're over 25, you should be able to get life insurance unless really you're into the um, 
uh, severe category, which is really, as I say, you, you probably should be on the waiting list for, for surgery at that stage. Or, of course, maybe they've the, the medical profession has decided that surgery cannot be performed for other reasons. Maybe yeah. the heart is damaged in a different way, as coronary artery disease, for instance, and therefore surgery is uh, cannot be performed because okay. of you know the, the catastrophic problems that can come from that. Yeah, so basically, that, this could just, be a bit too much. It could be too much for the heart to take. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so does, does that help a little bit? I could go into... It does. Uh, mitral valve and aorta are subtly different in terms of the ratings. Yeah. Um, you've got the ratings for the Which right Which one is seen as... I was going to say, I know that there's a difference between right and left side of the heart because I had something with somebody not long ago where they were guessing... It was just everyone, everyone was just saying, this is just a decline. And right. it just it didn't feel right. And I, it wasn't... It wasn't specifically heart valve disease. It'd been like some blocked arteries, yeah. and um, and I'd had a um, I'd had a chat to um, an underwriter that I know very well, and you know, and then they came out and said, they said to me, well, actually, if it was the left side of the heart, then that actually could make it okay in some ways, you know, we, we would be able to look at it. So, you know, it was everywhere had been absolutely like that. And I think, you know, nobody was prepared to entertain it or anything. And then because we did establish it was the the left side of the heart, I think that tends to be the more favourable, is it? Have I got that the wrong way around? It very much depends on what the, what's, uh, oh, well, the thing is. scenario you have with the valves <laughs> on the right side of the heart. Yeah, we are talking valves, not coronary artery disease. Um, remember just, just yes to yes of course yeah very, and very different um, very different well that was a good point wasn't it because we were having a little bit of a chat before we did this because we i yeah. wondered if it would come up in, at all in the family medical history but you explained that like things like cardiomyopathy which can come up in the questions it's nothing to do with this is it no not not essentially no 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 cardiomyopathy is a disease of the heart muscle yeah. Um, itself where and and the, the you know you've got these valves allowing the blood to go through but you've actually got the heart muscle pumping it yeah yeah so all these heart these heart valves allow the blood to come through into it but really it's that great big power chamber the left ventricle um yeah. which which is <clears throat> the major pumping changer major pumping vessel chamber and um it's the coronary arteries that feed particularly all that left side of the heart are the ones that caused major problems that's not to say the right side of the heart isn't important but it, we, we know the, the the major um issues that we see as underwriters in particular can tend to concern the left side yeah. um, i'll just maybe whip back just very very slightly for a couple of minutes and just say that we've got you you, you have the um the incidental heart murmur you also get now a lot of stuff because of the um uh the scanning that they do these days a the scanners are so so sophisticated a b they do a lot more generally yeah um then you will get uh, nearly always on a on a, an mri the the uh, uh the specialist looking at it will comment on the heart valves as well as the functioning of the left ventricle yeah. Okay. And sometimes you will get uh, abnormalities of those heart valves that don't produce a murmur and doesn't cause and has never caused the the, the, the life assured any problems whatsoever. And it's a complete incidental finding because they were looking at for something else. And yeah. that that's that is also a challenge from, from an underwriting perspective. But the um you, you will normally get the cardiolo the cardiologist 
who's looking after the patient saying okay you've got a you've got a um, often in the slight category there's a slight abnormality of one of the valves but ignore it yeah or just go on dental prophylaxis. Um, so you can, that, that's another challenge that uh, you, you will get from underwriters. And also when when you, the, the GP report comes in and you'll get um, a reference to the cardiologist, let's say they were looking at coronary artery disease, you'll very, very rarely get the um, GP saying, oh, and there was incidental finding of heart valve disease. Right to complicate matters oh absolutely let's just make it as complicated as possible it's always lovely when something just suddenly pops up and you're like what where does that come from it's a bit bit like the dreaded ckd isn't it let's be Mm. perfect with you what is normal um for you what's normal for me what's normal for my grandparents um completely different completely different and this this is where and it's it's a subject for a very uh, another day i'm not even sure i could speak about it but this is where (laughs) genetic profiling really really is coming in and making tailored drug treatments particularly Mm. genetic drug treatments for that individual yeah that's happening quite a bit in the cancer space isn't it and um quite a lot with Things like things like the cirrhotic arthritis and and things yeah. like this, the biological treatments with some of the, I want to say some of the rheumatological. I don't know if that's the right word, well, but it's I a mean, word that I've put made it up if need be. No, no, no. I mean sickle cell disease, one that we've talked yes. about historically. I know it's close to your heart. The gene editing, yeah, yeah. Taking, taking that rogue gene out of DNA, reimplanting it back in the person with fantastic results. Yeah, That'd you know, fantastic. it's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, brilliant. Okay, so. In terms of life insurance, I'm yes. taking it, it depends, but the heart valve disease, I think, will depend depending upon the situation. We're probably thinking small rating, severe situations. It might be through to a decline. Is, am I right in thinking? Yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. It could well be declining in worst case scenario. You might get a, um, I say, in, in severe um, that can be operated on on a waiting list. And I think, you know, it's, it's not, I never think of those as declines. They're more postpones yes. until post-surgery and, you know, they've had a period of where the, the heart valve is, has settled down. Um, you know, if you're sticking something far in the body, our immune system loves to attack it because it doesn't understand what it's actually trying to help you. Um, uh, and all of that period, post-op period has settled down, then, then terms should be available. Yeah, absolutely. Critical illness, what are we thinking? Again, you're looking really at... Uh, you. Heart valve disease replacement is a covered critical illness, yeah. as, as you know. Um, yeah. And therefore, anything that's more than maybe slight um, is either some, it's quite interesting, some actually will rate, but yeah. most, most will exclude heart valve surgery. Yeah. Okay, for kick. And IP is generally no, can do. Yeah. Uh, for anything that's more than slight, um, if a slight, it's usually maybe an exclusion. Very highly dependent on the case, but it's kick is um, it's pretty difficult. So with the so with the IP side of it, is it because the knock on effects of having valve disease, like the the like the conditions that might develop from having had that? That it's that's what make it because in a sense because you know I can imagine some people and some advisors thinking well can we not just exclude claims relating to the heart but obviously the heart is is a big part of our body function and things like that but is it it can just sort of like develop other things that aren't it then becomes maybe like more grey isn't it well is it is it because there's the heart valve disease there 
is it not caused by that? Is that is that where we're having the issue? Do you think? I think um, you certainly wouldn't want to inf- in, uh, exclude the heart. You yeah. wouldn't do that. Um, but you could exclude heart valve disease. When we think of heart, we need, need to be very clear. I, I need to be very clear with myself that we're not talking coronary artery disease. We're talking valvular disease, very different beasties. And um, the symptoms that you get um, with uh, valvular disease, because that blood isn't being pressured through the body uh, yeah. as it should, um, fatigue, tiredness, um if the blood is not getting around the body, you're going to get all, all other types of symptom that will make you feel generally pretty damn unwell and therefore not able to do your job, particularly one that is has a manual element to it. Yeah. If you need a lot of, you know, if your heart rate's going because you, uh, you know, you're a class four income protection, heavy manual, then the last thing you need is heart valve disease because it's going to make you feel continually tired to the extent as, yeah. it, as, it, as it either progresses i might add we've still got this kind of unknown element of progression um you're just not going to be able to pick up your your spade or your shovel or or whatever else is is, yeah. is heavy manual kind of occupation category um so that, that's why ultimately i'm just looking in my notes here um i do see that actually for slight um some insurers for income protection would actually rate for IP. Sorry, I've just noticed that. Mm. I was saying, oh, no, it's really, really tough to get it. Um, some insurers at the slight end of the yeah. category of yeah. those that slight mild and moderate. So sorry about that. Um, but having That's said right. that, how many um, clients that we see with slight as opposed to mild, moderate, severe, you see maybe a very, very small amount, but at least there's potentially an option. But they, they'd have to be right at that very slight end and and not under the age of 25, I would add. Yeah. And I was going to say as well, for all of this, I think it's probably worth bearing in mind that probably um, being a smoker wouldn't be seen as a favourable. It wouldn't. But again, we're not talking coronary artery disease here. Yes. Uh, you're talking heart valve. But I mean, you do get um, those, those little cusps, the leaflets that we've been talking about, they can become ischemic and uh, I, they, they, they lack the blood and tissue. Mm. Um, re-energization that comes from um, oxygen um, and my gut my, my my technical feel if you want is that, that smoking won't help yes I well I, I think it, it doesn't help in most situations does it no, but, it think, doesn't. No, no, but you know it's, it's I think it's just con- you know people should just be really conscious that if somebody so it's like if somebody's had a heart attack I'm not saying this is the same as that valve disease but you know if someone's had a heart attack no, 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 absolutely. you know being a smoker does make it much more complicated to get insurance yeah um no, and so. so you know just you know just bear in mind when you're doing your research if you're an advisor that you know it is really important to to still discuss if there's that um i think sometimes when you are doing research it can be easy to to sort of forget and go oh right we've got this condition i've got all this information but then forget all the extras that go with it yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely lifestyle there you go it's in the lifestyle category, isn't it i don't but, think drinking vast amounts will exactly help not, no, not the heart valve disease particularly, but um, you know, uh, through, throughout. So, and no, we were absolutely. only talking earlier about metabolic health, weren't we? Yes, we were. Um, and... Which is an absolutely fascinating subject beyond belief. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, a great really big branch of lifestyle. 
Definitely. And I was going to say, and, and moving away from lifestyle site, but it's another thing. And I just, you know, it comes up in terms of um, potentially vulnerable customers for people to be aware of. But again, as well with health conditions, you know, I've, I've had it and I've seen it a few times with, say, like even in my team, where they've got somebody who's got a health condition, which, you know, can affect the outcomes. But, you know, they've they've looked through it all. And, you know, I'm looking at what they've said because they've asked me for some, maybe some advice. And it's basically it's seeming like the condition's really mild. Um but then when I've looked at the other parts of maybe of their fact finding, in a sense, it comes up that the person's in receipt of PIP. So that's personal independence payments. Now, being in receipt of PIP in itself doesn't mean you can't get insurance. I was going to say there's, there's nothing sort of like to say that if you've got benefits that you can't get insurance. But what's really important, though, is that if somebody is telling you that they've got a very mild version of a condition, but then they're also saying that they're in receipt of PIP, then from kind of like an advice point of view and just generally sort of like managing expectations that doesn't really not always but I'm not saying it's every single situation but that doesn't really match up so it's very very hard to be awarded um PIP which is essentially the disability and benefit that the government will pay people in the UK so it it, it it's really, really hard to get that and you have to be quite ill to get it. So if you are hearing someone say, oh, my my condition isn't very bad, I'm absolutely fine, you know, I've not got any issues, but then they are receiving that benefit, then something isn't matching up and you might just need to, with support from probably a compliance person, maybe somebody who's specifically in your organisation does speak um, and give training on vulnerable clients as to how you would approach that with the with the person. Because I'm assuming, Matt, that that, in, in my assumption is is that as an underwriter, I, if I was an underwriter, <laughs> I'm taking, yeah, yeah. making an assumption here, but that it wouldn't make sense to me to think this person has this, no problems no, whatsoever, but yes, they're still they're in receipt of that. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose in in a way, it, it, it's it's it, the question needs to be asked in a, in a very very yeah. sensitive way, which you um, you talk about there. It could well be the PIP, I suppose. It could be um, a musculoskeletal reason. Yeah, absolutely. Which would, probably wouldn't impact on your life insurance, but certainly would impact on your income protection insurance. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, there are a whole raft of um, yeah. other conditions um, that it, it, the, the dots need to be joined up, don't they? They do. And I say as an advisor, it, this is more this is on advisors to to really look at that um, from the starting point. And it's for your own time. It's for your own efficiency, making sure you're managing everyone's expectations, the clients and your own, because the, the benefits aren't going to come up in the um, question set. Obviously, insurers do tend to ask about occupations. So if the person isn't able to work, that could come up. But sometimes people can work and still be in receipt of these benefits. Um, and again, just because somebody is in receipt of benefits or just because someone isn't working doesn't mean that they can't get insurance. It's just that if you, if there is a medical condition there and they're saying that they're in receipt of benefits specifically for that medical condition, it's very likely that you're at a point where the insurer is going to want to see a GPR. Um, so a report from the doctor. So again, it's just making sure that we all have a really clear um, understanding of what the outcomes could be. So, you know, potentially, and whenever we do research, I say you don't necessarily, well, not necessarily, I say I would suggest that you don't suddenly go, oh, I've got, you know, Angela Smith here. This is her date of birth. Here's her address and everything. We tend to do it with our research saying we've got a person here in this situation. So it's anonymized. So we're not flying around these people's data uh, data everywhere. So do it really anonymized. And then you can say, well, they obviously benefits and, the, and then the underwriters can help guide you as well. But it's, it's as an advisor, it's important for you to pick that up initially um, and make sure that when you're doing your research that you are um, getting that over. So Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. Um, 
it's really good to hear that the advisor community will will take that extra step as well because the absolute last thing that any of us want is for a claim to be turned down yeah and that reinforces that practice it really does reinforce kind of the um closes one of those loops that can occur um yeah. in, in the in the advisor practice so uh, that's that's it's incredibly important last thing we want to do is claims turned down End exactly of. exactly or in a sense to build hopes up so somebody yeah, you've absolutely. told somebody oh well i think this is going to be yeah. like 15 pound a month and then actually you you in a sense you had that information at the beginning if you'd shared it with an underwriter they'd have said look we're, we're this isn't matching up you i think you should speak a bit more and ask them a bit more about this and that to then go potentially months down the line with a gp you've been chasing it possibly your team's been chasing it the client's just been sat there waiting and ultimately it wouldn't have been possible but you yeah, could have maybe done something different from the start which would have made it a more positive journey for the person rather than that that dreaded to postpone or decline there but um but anyway, we always finish off the podcast with a um, case study. Um, so I'm pleased to share this one with everybody. So this was somebody, it was a, a male non-smoker in his early 30s, and he had mitral valve disease. And um, about, about a year and a half before the policy uh, was started, he'd had surgical repair. There'd been no ongoing complications. He was just taking aspirin. Um, there had been a family history of heart attacks um, as well. And obviously that was all included, but really pleased to say that obviously we've got the insurance in place. It was a mixture of um, mortgage cover and then just some family protection within affordability for the client. So it was £330,000 of decreasing life insurance, £40,000 of level life insurance, both over 34 years. And the outcome was that the price was about £36 per month. So it is to say that we can get cover. Obviously, this person had what we would probably consider the, obviously, you've said the surgical repairs. Obviously, it, we want to see that because it can sometimes mean that something stronger is happening. Um, but it's been repaired. He's doing really, really well. There's not huge amounts of medication or treatment that's needed. And everything's just, in a sense, back to normal by needing to take the aspirin. And um, and we've got the cover and it's a, it's a good price as well. So yeah, very happy very that we got that for the person. Yeah, congrats. Well done. Thank you. So um, we're at the end. So thank you for listening, everybody. And always, as always, thank you, Matt, for joining me. Next time, I'm thinking we're doing a little bit of a mix up on some things for a little while, Matt. So obviously me and you will keep doing our every other episode on underwriting. Um, but then what I'm going to do is I'm going to start doing some like little possibly mini episodes and the in-between ones um, where I sort of take a bit of a deep dive into certain products. So I'm going to do a, sort of like a bit of an overview of business property relief insurance next time. And um, I might at some point even have one of my team joining me to share their case studies where they've done things for people. So um, please feel free to visit the website, practical-protection.co.uk. Um, if you want to listen to the episode um, again, um, or access your CPD certificate on there, which you can get thanks to our um, sponsors, the Octo members. I did a little bit of a um, lost my train of thought there. So I do apologize, everybody. But uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And thank you again, Matt. Absolutely. No problem. And just uh, just two seconds to say Happy New Year to everybody. And um yeah really the very very best of luck with your businesses throughout this this year and beyond for that matter so happy new year oh thank you Matt. lovely uh so yeah thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.